for this day. Thank you for your love and your mercy. And Father, we're so grateful that you're our Savior and our Lord. And Lord, we just rejoice in that. Thank you for our time of communion, Lord. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, that uh, you gave your life. And Lord, that you're coming back one day for us. That you have not left us here alone, Lord. And so we rejoice in that, Father. I pray once again for Kelly's Lord, uh, healing, recovery, Lord, I pray for the Allen family that you, Lord, would bring comfort, uh, Lord, um, healing, strength to their hearts. And Father, just be with us today as we seek your face through your word. And Father, I decrease that you would increase, empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind will be of you and not of me, for we pray this in Jesus' name, all God's will said, amen, amen. amen. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, we're now in part 21 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Say, Wisdom That Works. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20. Uh, but before we dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from chapter 19. And I gave you four points. You might remember those points. The first one of chapter 19, the points there was wealth and wisdom. Say that. Wealth and wisdom, and that's in verses 1 through 4, and Solomon says, stand out by living a life of integrity, because personal integrity is more valuable than any financial gain. Can I get an amen for that? The second point was deceivers and liars, and that's in verses 5 through 9. Say deceivers, say liars, verses 5 through 9, and he says a false witness will be punished, and a liar will be destroyed. The third point was fools, kings, and family, say that. Fools, kings, and family, that's found in verses 10 through 14. And he writes, Solomon writes, it's not fitting for a fool to live in luxury. And then he says, when a king is angry, he's dangerous like a lion, so stay away from him. And then he says, two things make a man very unhappy. Remember that? A foolish child and a difficult, annoying wife. And then Solomon says, a wife of good judgment or a wife of good wisdom is greater gift is a greater gift than than houses and riches. And the fourth point was laziness and life. Say that, laziness and life. That's in verses 15 through 29. And uh, Solomon says, laziness puts a person at great risk of poverty and hunger. And then he says, to guard your life by walking in obedience to God's word and to be kind to the poor and discipline your children. And then also make plans seeking God's wisdom and will. And then he says, speak with respect to our parents. Can I say, can I get an Amen. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message today is Wisdom, Wine, and Weights. Say that. Six points. If you're ready, say yes. Here we go. Number Point number one, is here, here we go, is don't get drunk. Let's just, just get right into it. Don't get drunk. Let's look at verse one. And Solomon writes, wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray, say that astray, by them is not wise. In other words, wine mocks the person who comes under its spell, or more likely, it makes one become a mocker. And the point is, friends, it's not wise to get drunk. Got that? It's not wise to get drunk because if you're intoxicated, you don't act wisely, right? And you see, wisdom is displayed by the ability, listen now, the ability to not be led astray by alcohol. Now, I want to say this. There are many references to wine and to strong drink and drunkenness throughout the Bible. However, there is no binding rule, thou shalt not drink. You guys with me? 
Scripture doesn't forbid the drinking of alcohol, but, but it clearly identifies drunkenness as a sin. Are we, are we clear on that? There are positive and negative references to alcohol in the Bible, and I'm, I'm going to give you the Scriptures, and I'll read them to you. Ephesians 5.18, Paul writes, Do not get drunk on wine. Psalm 104.15 Positive one, wine, wine that gladdens the heart of man. 1 Corinthians 6.10, negative one, no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, Paul tells, tells Timothy, use a little wine for the sake of your stomach. That's positive reference to wine. And my point is this, since the Bible doesn't absolutely forbid drinking alcohol, to drink or not to drink, listen now, to drink or not to drink is a personal decision to make for yourself. So as, as a Christian, you have the freedom, you have the liberty to drink, but don't forget that your freedom is tied to Christian responsibility. Follow me here. With liberty, freedom comes more responsibility to use one's freedom wisely and discreetly, and to never abuse that liberty, to never abuse that freedom. You have the liberty to drink, friends. It's your prerogative. You have the liberty, the freedom to drink, but you don't have the liberty to get drunk, nor the liberty to make someone stumble. Are you with me? And for the record, I don't drink alcohol, not because I think that I'm virtuous or that I'm more spiritual than those who drink. It's a personal conviction of mine. And I don't expect other Christians to have that same conviction. It's just a conviction. I've had this conviction since I got saved. Not only that, I have no desire for it. I don't like the taste, not to mention it's expensive. But this is, this is the one, is I don't want to make anyone stumble. I don't want to make anyone stumble. If you're safe, say amen. Before you drink, I, I want you to ask yourself these questions before you drink. Is it beneficial or profitable? And if it is, then go ahead and drink. If it's not, don't drink. Ask yourself the question, will it affect my judgment? If it doesn't, drink. If, if it does, don't drink. Will it affect my attitude? If it doesn't, go ahead and drink. If it does, don't drink. Uh, will it affect my testimony? If it doesn't, then drink. If it does, don't drink. Will it, I be brought under its power? If it doesn't, Drink. If it does, don't drink. Will it make someone stumble? If it doesn't, drink. If it does, don't drink. Very simple, right? So, so here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? No one to say no. Again, listen, listen. You have the liberty, you have the freedom to drink. Got it? But not to get drunk. And I want to say this. You know how much alcohol will get you buzzed. And we've seen drunk people. It's not a good scene. And sadly, it's worse when you see a Christian who's drunk. But you know how much it takes for you to get drunk, and you need to use discretion and say no, because I know that will take me over the limit. And it's different for everyone else. Everyone has a different body weight. It may take two beers for someone to get drunk who's a lot lighter than someone who's a lot heavier. Are you guys with me? But you need to use the wisdom. We're talking about wisdom here. When to say no. And to understand that there's someone around you who's struggling with alcohol that you say no, because I don't want to make that person stumble. Are we clear on this? Okay. Say, say, don't get drunk. Number two is don't get the king angry. 
Don't get the king angry. Verse 2, Solomon says, a, king is, a king's wrath is like the roar of a lion. He who angers him forfeits his life. So this is similar uh, to chapter 19, verse 12. We looked at that last week, verse 19, oh, two weeks ago, uh, 19, verse 12. And he's saying, don't make the king angry. Don't poke the bear. That's what he's saying. Don't poke the bear or you can endanger your life because he, the king, might order your death. And we need to understand that in ancient in the ancient world, kings had the power to execute those who made them unhappy. You see, a wise person avoids antagonizing a king, a ruler, a leader. And we'll get back to the king because Solomon now interjects different, a different topic here. But verses 3 and 5, let's look at verses 3 and 5. It is to a man's honor to avoid what? Come on, avoid what? Strife, strife. In other words, a wise person tries not to argue. A wise person, they avoid an argument. And wisdom, wisdom, what it does, wisdom guides the wise person what to say, and it's done in a polite, loving manner, or not to say anything at all. Wisdom can do that, right? And then he says this, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Well, why? Because, what, the fool has no wisdom, Fool has no wisdom to guide them. In fact, they love to argue, right? You, you know someone like that who just loves to argue, just keep going and keep going, keep going. They just keep on meddling, right? Someone said this, the wise are more concerned to bring peace than a desire to be right. But the fool cannot restrain himself that the first opportunity explodes and shows his teeth. If you're safe, say Amen. We as believers, we need to be less concerned about being right and more concerned about doing the right thing. More concerned about doing what's right. Can I get an amen? So when you're in that situation and someone's trying to quarrel with you, ask yourself, I'm going to do what's right and not try to just voice my opinion and say that I'm right. You guys with me? Use wisdom. Verse 4, a slugger does not plow in season. We'll stop there because the time for plowing uh, and planting in the Middle East is the rainy season, which means, right, working in a muddy field, it's cold, and it's wet. So a slugger does not plow in season, so at a harvest time, he looks, but what? Finds nothing. I mean, even a dumb farmer, right, even a dumb farmer knows that he needs to plow the ground. You ever notice that lazy people will always find an excuse not to do their work? Why is it so quiet? Hmm? <laughs> huh? You know, it's, it's too early. It's too late. Uh, it's too cold. It's too muddy. It's too wet. Uh, it's too hot. Listen any, excuse will, listen, any excuse will work when the heart is not set on not working. Right? Verse 5, the purpose of a man's heart are deep waters. But a man of understanding, or in other words, insight, say insight, draws them out. And I love this, okay? If deep waters refers to truth deeply hidden in the heart, then the wise person, I love this, the wise person is seen as one who can draw such wisdom to the surface and bring it to expression. Now, now listen, listen. A counselor really isn't there to tell you what to do, but to help you understand what's going on inside of you. Right? Inside the well of deep waters. And you see, friends, this is my point. A person of understanding, one with insight, a person of wisdom can draw it out of you for practical and ready use. And that's what wise counseling really is. It's drawing out the answer 
within you. And listen, here I cry out. God has placed gifted and wise individuals who can assist you by leading you, listen, leading you, drawing out of you a correct understanding of what's going on within your life. So if you're struggling with some, say, I, I can't quite put my finger why I'm struggling like this, or why this is happening, or why I think this way, connect with one of the elders or pastors or Bible study teachers here, or someone with wisdom and insight to help you draw it out so you know how to address that issue. Can I get an Amen. Verses 6 through 8, many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. The New Living Translation says it like this, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Solomon's simply saying here, talk is cheap. That's what he's saying. And see, there are those who say, well, I'm here for you. I'm your friend to the end. But when hard times come and when you need a call and you need a hug, a prayer, or a word of encouragement, they're nowhere to be found. Question posed here, but a faithful man who can find speaks to the rarity of a person whose loyalty loyalty lives up to their talk. Finding a faithful friend is a blessing. If you you have a friend who not only says they're going to be there for you, but, but are actually there for you, That's a blessing. And we all need a faithful friend. If you don't have one, you need to find one. Amen? Verse verse 7. The righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. Listen, parents. Listen, parents. The greatest legacy that we leave to our children is one of a genuine faith in God. Living a life in God. Right for the Lord, and if we live a right, if we live righteous lives, it will ultimately affect, affect, affect our children, and they will be blessed. And I've been blessed. I have, I have parents. You know, my daddy's now with the Lord. Mom's still here. Uh, she's in Bible study right now. But you know, I have been blessed by their walk with God. It has blessed me. It has given me a path to walk on where I am being blessed. Amen. Verse 8, when a king sits on his throne to judge, he winnows, in other words, sifts out all evil with his eyes. So we're back to the king again. In Solomon's time, the king was also a judge. And as a wise king, friends, a wise king and judge, when Solomon tried a case, he had to carefully consider who was innocent and who was guilty. And the wise king can distinguish between the wheat and the chaff, right? Between good and evil. When, when, when he sees something is wrong, when the king sees something is wrong, he deals with it immediately. And listen, when, when a people know, when a people know that evil will be punished by, by just leadership, it makes evil scatter. And I want to tell you, friends, just, just governments, get this now, just governments are intended to root out evil in society, not to legalize it. Are you with me? Don't get the king angry. Say, don't get drunk. Say, don't get the king angry. Number three, don't have double standards. Don't have double standards. Write that down. Look at verse 9 with me. Don't have double standards. Verse 9, Solomon writes, Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? Well, what's the answer? This is no. Period. Right? No. Period. First John 1, 8, some of you might know this by heart, says that we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay? Got it? We're lying if we say we have no sin. 
So here's the lesson. Ready for the lesson? We all need ongoing cleansing. Hey, hey, we may be saved, but we're saved sinners. We stumble, we fall, we blow it, we mess up. So we need an ongoing cleansing in our lives, right? And there are some denominations that, that say that you can live a sinless life in this life, and that's just not biblical. It's, they're called something holiness, something, I don't know. But anyways, uh, we, we need an ongoing cleansing, amen? Verses 10 through 11, differing weights. Here's the weights and differing measures. The Lord detests them both. So God feels so, so strongly about deceptive business practices that he used a strong word, detest. Your Bibles might say abomination. And he does this to describe those who do this. A false merchant is a disgrace in God's eyes. Now listen, friends, God always sees the transaction, right? God always sees the transaction. Therefore, no one can cheat in business and escape God's notice and judgment. Right? And we're not just talking about a business transaction, but also maybe you want to sell something online. You're not being honest about that. God, God always sees the transaction. Verse, verse, verse 11. Even a child is known by his actions, by whether his conduct is per conduct is pure and right. The Hebrew word here for child covers a, a wide age range from infancy to early adulthood. And Solomon's point here is this, conduct reveals character. Got it? Okay. What we are comes out in the way you and I behave. Now, if you're safe, say amen. It is more than what we believe. Okay. More than what we believe. It's how we behave. Here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? Live right. Live right, all right? Live right. Because those around us, those around us are looking to see if our behavior, our behavior matches what we claim to believe. And if we say that we are children of God, that we are born again, saved, washed, cleansed, right? If we say that, that we're Christians, then there ought to be a difference in our lives. We ought to be men and women of godly character. Live right. Say live right. Verse 12, ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. In other words, Psalm is saying is God, listen now, God hears what we say and sees what we do. But we can look at good things or we can look at bad things. Listen, church, we can listen to what is uplifting or to what is morally destructive. In Psalm, write this down, Psalm 101, verse 3, Psalm 101, verse 3, the psalmist declared this, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 18, and here this contains a prayer that we should offer regarding our eyes. Psalm 119, 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Got it? Verse 13, do not love sleep or you will grow poor. I'm going to stop there. To love sleep refers to laziness. Okay? And the laziness connected to it is to bring one, oneself to poverty. So let's read that again. Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake. Say stay awake and you will have food to spare. In other words, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Get up out of bed and get to work. That's what he's saying. 
It's good to get going and to get to work. The reward is worth it. Say that. The reward is worth it. Okay? You will avoid poverty, and you will have food to eat and food to spare. That's what Solomon's saying. And I want to say this. In God's economic system, hard work is rewarded. Amen? You heard me say this many times throughout this series. Christians ought to be the hardest working people in the workforce. Yeah? Amen. Say amen. Say don't drink. Say don't get, don't get the king angry. Say don't have st- double standards. Number four, don't be foolish. And this focuses on business practices that, that easily escalate into folly, into foolishness. Don't be foolish. Look at verses 14 through 18 with me. It is not good. No, excuse me. It, it's no good. It's no good, says the buyer. Then goes and boasts about the purchase. You guys get that? So this is someone, I believe, I'm trying to understand what Solomon is saying here, but this is someone who bargains for a low price only to bring, only to brag, excuse me, brag later about what a great deal they got or, or for a seller to talk up something so a buyer spends more on it than they need to. And perhaps Solomon is saying even bargaining, listen now, even bargaining for a price or talking up a price can go too far. So be careful. Got it? Be careful. Verse 15, gold there is and rubies in abundance, but lips, but lips, say lips, that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. Now wealth is not condemned here. He's not condemning wealth. Rather, that wisdom is more desirable and more valuable. The value of wise words right, is better and more valuable than a pile of precious jewels. And how foolish it is, friends, how foolish it is to value wealth over wisdom. Huh? Verse 16, take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger, hold it in pledge if he does it for a wayward woman or an outsider. So this emphasizes the risk a creditor takes in granting a loan. And so the creditor, the one lending the money or property, is advised to hold on to something, right, collateral, for the borrower to help guarantee the debt will be repaid. And Solomon said many times, uh, right, in the, in the past of, of Proverbs here that we looked at in the past, that uh, be very careful that when you co-sign for someone, make sure that they're able to pay the loan, right? Okay, verse 17, food gained by fraud tastes sweet, to a man, but he ends up with a mouthful of gravel. Wow. So this is a metaphor for wealth, which when pursued dishonestly, listen now, pursued dishonestly doesn't satisfy. It's like chewing on rocks, chewing on gravel. How nasty is that, you know? And so what this speaks about here, this speaks of the temporary enjoyment of sin. You guys with me? Verse 18, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. And so seeking, listen now, advice from others is a reoccurring theme. We see it all the time, right? And here Solomon is saying, good plans based on wise guidance are valuable when waging war. Better be, right? And, and the same general idea applies to all situations. Listen, we need to get advice when making tough decisions, friends. Right? 
I mean, we're, we're, we're always confronted with tough decisions in life. And we need to get advice when making those tough decisions. We cannot be foolish and let emotion outweigh reason or emotion outweigh wisdom. Man, we can make dumb decisions based on our feelings, our emotions. Are you guys with me? We need wisdom and advice from others. Number five, don't gossip or hold grudges. Don't gossip or hold grudges. If you're still with me, say amen. Look at verses 19 through 21. Verse 19, a gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a man who talks too much. I'm going to stop there. Solomon's saying don't trust this kind of person. Someone who talks who talks too much, doesn't know how to keep their mouth shut, avoid that kind of person because they will tell your secrets to everybody. You guys with me? And be very careful, listen now, be very, very careful that you don't open up the treasures of your heart to people who really shouldn't have those treasures. And this is where wisdom comes in. Okay, there's some, listen, we have treasures in our heart that we feel comfortable sharing with someone that we trust, but if you don't trust that person, don't do it. Because it'll be broadcast all through Facebook and everywhere else, right? Verse 20, verse 20, if a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Again, the person who disrespects their parents and insults them, breaks God's commandment to what? Honor your father and mother. And by the way, that's the only commandment with a promise. It says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land. Now that can mean not just quantity, but also quality of life. Right? And Solomon understood this command. He did, friends. So he writes that whoever breaks that commandment will be, listen now, will come to an untimely end. Right? His lamp, her lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Verse 21, an inheritance quickly gained at the beginning will not be blessed at the what? At the end. And so this implication, the implication here could be getting an inheritance prematurely before gaining the wisdom to handle it. Or, or getting it by the wrong means. Okay, what is quickly gained is either unlawful or Unrighteous. And the verb here describes, the verb describes a hurried, hastened activity. Perhaps, listen now, perhaps a wayward son seizing the inheritance quickly. And what comes to mind? Prodigal son. You guys are awesome. Prodigal son. Now I want to say something here, friends. Whenever a son asked his father for the inheritance now, that was an insult to the father. Because what he says he was telling his dad was, I wish you were dead. But if you know the story of the prodigal son, he takes his inheritance, right? And what does he do? He goes, squanders it, and has nothing at the end. Right? Has nothing at the end. Look at the text. Inheritance quickly gained at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Get that? David, David Guzik said this. This is... He says, this is often how it ends when someone gains too much too soon apart from their own work and initiative. When large amounts are freely received, it can work against blessings at the end. Isn't that true? And this is what we see in the prodigal son. Verse 22, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Did you get that? And this could be a sermon in itself. 
And by the way, friends, this is what the wise person shouldn't say. Okay, we shouldn't say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. No, instead, we should do this. Wait for who? Look at the text, the Lord, and he will what? Deliver you. Now, let's be honest, okay? We're in church, okay? You can't lie here in church, okay? We're in church, let's be honest, right? There are times when we want to get back at those who have hurt us. Be honest. Yeah? Human nature is to get back, to get even. What, to settle the score, right? To, to retaliate, to get revenge, to hold a grudge. Hold a grudge. But as believers, Donald, if you're safe, say amen. As believers, we are to forgive them and wait on God to let him settle the score, let him deal with it. Right? Listen, people are watching. They are watching how we, listen, people are watching how we Christians respond to those who do us wrong. They are. Will we get even? Or will we offer forgiveness and let God deal with it? Huh? You're safe, say amen. It's not my place. It's not your place. It's not our place to get revenge. It's not. It's our place to love them. Don't got to like them, but it's our place to love them and leave them in the hands of God. Right? Because he, God, will settle the score. Vengeance belongs to him. Not us, not me, not you. His judgment. Why? Because his judgment is perfect. I thank God I'm not God. I thank God you're not God. Are you guys with me? His judgment is perfect. It's perfect. Now I want you to write this down. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Great portion of scripture here. And, and it says this. Paul writes, never pay back evil with more evil. Did you get that? Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy, listen what he says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will, listen what he says, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. In other words, this refers to a burning conviction that our kindness places on our enemy. Then he says this in verse 21. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Got it? If you're safe, say amen. Don't let evil be, listen, a conqueror over you. Instead, you should overcome evil by means, by means of good. In other words, kill them with kindness. Got it? Don't, 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 don't try to, to get back. Don't bite back, right? Don't, don't, don't backbite. Don't do this and that. Don't do that. Right? Kill them with kindness. Reminded of the story of a man who was told by his doctor that he had rabies. And he took out a piece of paper and started writing on it. And the doctor said, what are you doing, making up your will? And the man said, no, I'm just writing down every person I'm going to bite. Oh, that's... <laughs> That's not good, right? Don't do that. Don't do that. Are you guys ready for the lesson? Here we go. Let God settle the score. Let God settle the score. Let him take care of the people who have hurt you. Right? Don't bite them. 
Don't bite them. Got it? And you see what wisdom does, is we're in the right book of wisdom, right? What wisdom does, wisdom teaches us to rely on God and trust Him. Trust Him to repay the evil done to us. Right? And this is a real test for me and my family right now because we're going through something and we really just got to say, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to try to get revenge. They're in your, this, what, what's going on with us in our situation, that's in your hands. You're going to deal with the people in your way, your time. Right? Verse 23. The Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. So this is similar to verse 10. Solomon repeats the lesson because why? It's important. Because God is righteous. Is God righteous? Because God is righteous and true in all his measurements, he regards differing weights and dishonest scales as an abomination. Okay? Make sure you're doing, you're being honest in your dealings. Verse 24, a man's steps are directed by who? By the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? So I want to say this. This proverb doesn't mean that God drags us through life without any free will or choice. Rather, that he's ultimately, say ultimately, ultimately in control of all things, and we won't always understand the circumstances that you and I face. True? Often we don't know why things happen. Right? I mean, gosh, you're like, gosh, Lord, why? We don't know why things happen, but God does. God knows. And he directs our lives. And this is why you and I, listen now, friends, this is why you and I need to spend time with him, spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, allowing him to speak to us and to lead us. Psalm 25, 4, write that down. Psalm 25, verse 4, David prayed what every single believer should pray. You guys ready? Make me known. Make me Excuse me, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Man, that should be our prayer every day. Verse 25. It is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. So we're going to get right to the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Don't be a vow. I mean, excuse me, be a vow keeper. Be a vow keeper. Say that. Be a vow keeper. Keeper. Now, I want you to write this down. You can go home and read it. I'm going to read it to you, though, but Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 7. Write that down. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 7. And I'm going to read to you what Solomon, same writer from the Proverbs, what he writes. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. You guys get that? He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest the temple, messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. Solomon's saying, when you make a vow to God, fulfill it. Fulfill it. Don't just make it and don't delay and fulfill it. Do it. Come on now. You make a vow to God, do it. And you notice that in Ecclesiastes, the passage I just read to you, Solomon warns about two sins. First of all, the first sin is this, is making a vow with no intention of keeping it. And the second sin in that passage is making a vow, but delaying to keep it, hoping you can get out of it. How many times have we done that? So question, 
What promises with your time? What promises with your commitments? What promises with your money, with your life, have you made to God? And let me ask you this. Have you kept them? Well, you know, God, I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm going to get involved in ministry. Oh, God, I'm going to give to the church. Lord, I'm going to live right. Lord, I'm going to stay away from that. Lord, I'm going to quit watching this. And, and you make those vows. Let me ask you, have you kept them? Matthew 5.37 says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. You guys with me? Now, if you're safe, say amen. Let, let's not make, listen now, our vows to God carelessly and superficially. Always keep in mind how great God is. Say how great God is, okay? And how small and sinful we are. And this is why Solomon, he gives a warning in that passage. He gives a warning. He says, much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Stand in awe of who? God. In other words, walk in the fear of God. When you make a vow to God, take him seriously. Acknowledge his worth. Keep your promises to him. And not just promises that we make to God, but promises that we make to each other. Right? Because God wants you and I to be men and women of integrity, people who keep our word. Got it? So be very careful when you make a vow, a promise to somebody. When you say, yeah, I'm going to do it, you better do it. When you tell God, God, I'm going to do this, you better do it. Amen? Say, don't get drunk. Say, don't get, don't get the king angry. Don't have double standards. Say, don't be foolish. Say, don't gossip or hold grudges. And last was, don't tolerate wickedness. Let's go verse, verse 26. A wise king winnows or sifts out the wicked. He drives a threshing wheel over them. So this is similar to verse 8. A wise king has the ability, a wise king has the ability to discern good from evil. And as a threshing wheel separates a chaff from the Wheat grain, right? And so listen now, he knows how to carefully examine the wicked and bring whatever punishment is appropriate. And the bottom line is this, friends, is a wise king knows how to handle the wicked, okay? They don't tolerate wickedness. They deal with it immediately, appropriately, wisely. Got it? Verses 27 to 30. The lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of a man. It searches out his, what, inmost being. Now, now, the lamp of the Lord, there is a metaphor for the searching eye of God that knows our inmost thoughts. And friends, let me tell you, he knows whether our plans are good or whether our plans are bad or whether our thoughts are good, whether our thoughts are honest or whether our thoughts are bad. God knows the truth. Amen? God does not like wickedness. And so we need to understand as we live our lives, God is watching us. He sees every move we make, every step we take. He sees every thought in our hearts and our minds. God knows the truth. Amen? Verse 28. Love and faithfulness keeps the king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. So in other words, when he's saying this, and I love this, faithful leaders inspire loyalty in their people. And a king who is just and good to his people will typically be rewarded by a nation who loves and defends the king. Amen? Well, let me ask you this. Do you love your king? I love my king Jesus. Amen? 
Amen. Because he's loyal, right, to us. And he is a faithful Savior and leader. Verse 29, the glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair, the splendor of the old. So, so go for the gray. <laughs> gray isn't bad. Go, go for the gray. Say go for the gray. And what Solomon's saying is this, so that while physical strength decreases with age, wisdom should increase. Right? Now, unfortunately, today's culture glorifies youth and despises old age. I have seen how the youth have disrespected the elderly. And it breaks my heart. Okay? Our culture is now all about, you know, youth and strength and all this stuff, which is not bad, but I'll tell you, wisdom is better. Now, I want to say this. This doesn't mean that every aging person is wise. I, I, I know some elderly people who are just not wise, okay? Nor does it mean that every young person cannot have wisdom. I've seen some young people with great wisdom. I, 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 my son, Julian, I believe he has great wisdom. But the main advantage of age, he's saying, is what? Wisdom. Why? Because you live longer. Right? You live a little. And the longer one lives, the more experience and knowledge they can gain. I'm not, look, I just turned 60 years old. I'm not as strong as I used to be. Okay, I, I, I run four miles uh, four, four days a week. I, I lift and all this. I'm not as strong, not as fast as I used to be. But I'll tell you right now, I'm a lot wiser. And I thank God for that. But you notice as you get older, your strength kind of, I'm not as strong, you know, right? But I'm going to focus on wisdom, okay? You guys got it? Okay. Verse 30, and we're going we're to close this, okay? Blows and wounds cleanse away evil. And beatings purge the inmost being. Now, in context, I want you to get this in context. This is not speaking about parental discipline, okay? Rather, beatings administered by the king's officers as punishment for crime. Got it? And the point is this. Those undergoing punishment would learn that crime carries a harsh penalty. And they resolve not to commit the crime again. And boy, don't we need that today. Huh? So we learned a lot of things today, haven't we? A lot of lessons. These, these, are, these are single sermon, right, sentences, right? And so let's just, let's, let's do this. We, we need to not just know this stuff, but apply it to our lives. And I don't know which, which part, which portion has, has, has ministered to you, but whatever portion has ministered to you, do something about it. Amen? And I just want to say this, that God deserves our, our praise and our worship, and He deserves us, listen now, for us to keep our promises to Him. So let's do that, right? Amen? So let's all stand as we close. Amen? Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. and.